last three weeks, today is the fourth week, uh, we have been uh, in, this spe- in this series called Come uh, Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll, uh, next week will be just a little bit different, um, a little bit shorter uh, of a service, and, um, and uh, with it being the July 4th uh, weekend, July 4th actually following on a Sunday, and then following, that following Sunday on July 11th, uh, I'm going to begin a brand new series. I've shared this with you now for a few weeks. We're going to actually be working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And um, really looking forward to kind of slowing down and going through uh, Mark's gospel. It's the shortest of the four. Um, It will probably take us several weeks to get through it. And uh, so if you're one who likes to uh, read ahead or likes to kind of have an idea of where I'm going to be at, um, I won't be skipping chapters. We'll go in order. So we'll begin in Mark chapter 1. So I want to encourage you uh, to be reading ahead. But today, uh, we're going to bring this series to a close and this morning, what we're going to talk about is more specifically, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to make Christ known. Uh, today, we're going to turn our attention to an aspect of the Spirit that is very vital and necessary, I believe, to the spread of the gospel and the salvation of the world. If you have your Bibles, we'll get to it here in just a minute. Two passages of Scripture uh, I want you to turn to. It'll be just a couple of minutes before we actually get there. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you can turn, you can open there. We'll get there here in just a few minutes. My hope for all of us, especially over these last three weeks, is that our understanding of the Spirit has deepened so that we can experience His wonderful and powerful presence. Over the last three weeks, we've come to these conclusions. First of all, we know that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is God and should be pursued by all. We also come to a conclusion and we understand that the Spirit is the one who is always working. How many knows that the Spirit is always working? Sometimes He is working in unseen ways, ways that we aren't even aware of, ways that we may not know about, but the Holy Spirit is always working, bringing people to saving faith. There's probably people in your life, people you know, um, who the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts and in their lives even before they gave their heart to Christ. And as you look back, you can see that God's hand was clearly working and moving in their life. We also discovered that the Spirit, not human initiative, the Spirit of God is the one who works in us to transform our thought life, our attitudes, and our behaviors so we can better reflect the character of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the Spirit that works in us. He's the one that transforms us. He's the one that convicts us of our sin, but also convicts us of the truth of God's Word. But there is more than just having the Spirit dwell in our hearts. There's more to it, and that's the more that I want to focus on this morning. And I'm going to talk quickly today, and I hope you can listen quickly as well, Uh, But I want to just begin by saying, first of all, and this is something we've already come to the conclusion of, and that is that believers, believers receive all of the Holy Spirit at their moment of conversion. How many would say amen to that and believe? At the moment of your conversion, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is at that moment that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of our hearts. The last few weeks, we've established this truth. Those who have confessed Christ as Lord and they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture is very clear. At that moment, Paul says, we are saved. Therefore, the Spirit that raised Jesus, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, 
is the spirit that lives in every saved individual. And I want you to hear this. I've said this now the last three weeks, but the moment that you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment that you confessed him as Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, at that moment, the Spirit of God came to dwell inside of you. All of the Spirit, not, not a portion of the Spirit of God, not, not 60%, and as you walk with Christ, you get another 10 here and another. That's not how it works. Paul is very clear. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. All of the Spirit, not portions of. And so if I were to ask the question this morning, have you made Christ the Lord of your life? And you can answer with assurance and confidence, yes, then I'm here to remind you and assure you that the Spirit of Christ lives in you now. We've established that truth over the last couple of weeks. But today, I want to go a little bit further and talk about the more that I referred to earlier. And that is that believers... Believers, people who have received Christ, believers are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look in Acts, if you have your Bibles open, Acts chapter 1, actually going to look first off in verses 4 and 5. And, and this is Jesus, um, this is just before Jesus' ascension. He's already resurrected. Uh, he's getting ready to ascend into the heavens. Um, he's gathered with his disciples and many other that are present. He's getting ready to go up into the clouds. And he says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. And this is what Jesus had commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've already established over the last several weeks, and if you've been with us for any point of time, I think we've come to this conclusion that believers have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in our lives. We already have Christ um, through the Spirit living in our hearts. So, so how can believers, how can believers be promised the gift of the Holy Spirit if they already have all of the Spirit living inside of them. Now, to answer this question biblically and clearly, we need to understand this morning what, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus, that was promised in the Scriptures. Let me just kind of give you a taste as we will see throughout Scripture. First of all, this gift is received by, that, that is received by believers. It was actually prophesied about in the Old Testament scriptures. Joel chapter two, verse 28. Then after doing all those things, says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit, it was promised and spoken about by Jesus himself. Luke 24, verse 49 says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. Jesus said, but stay here in the city in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills your hearts or fills you with power from heaven. And then also again, we read verses four and five, but then Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, Jesus said very specifically, but you will receive power. And he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We also know that this gift was possible to be received when Jesus ascended to heaven and returned to the right hand of the Father. Until Jesus ascended, this promised gift could not come. 
And Jesus was very clear and he said himself in, in, in John chapter 16, verse seven, but in fact, it is best for you. Jesus is saying, listen, Jesus, the son of God, is saying to his disciples, it is best for you that I go away. Now, if we stop there, we're thinking, are you kidding me for Jesus to go? How is that best? But he goes on, because if I don't go, Jesus says, if I don't ascend and return to the father, the advocate, the spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So this promise of the spirit can be received by believers when Jesus ascends into the heavens and sits at the right hand of the Father. This is why the ascension of Jesus is crucial. It's why his return to heaven following his resurrection and post-resurrection occurrences is vital to the Christian faith. If anyone wants to undermine uh, the truth of the ascension of Jesus Christ, then the, the coming of the Spirit then becomes invalid. So that's why it's vital in Christianity for us to claim and hold to the ascension of Jesus. The giving of the Spirit followed the ascension of Jesus, allowing Spirit-filled believers to continue then the teaching and the ministry of Jesus on earth in his absence. That's how, that's how ministry has continued. That's how uh, Taylor is able to go to Latvia by the power of the Spirit because she is able to continue the work that Jesus Christ began when he is here on, her, on earth because he gives us, he gives us and he promises us his Spirit to empower us, to equip us to make Christ known. In Acts chapter one, the very first verse, it says in Luke is writing, he says, in my first book, he's referring to the gospel of Luke. I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach, everything he began to do and teach. But what he's going to do, as we will see in Acts, is he's going to send the spirit. He's going to empower the disciples and the apostles and anybody that receives the gift and the promise of the spirit. He's going to empower them then to make Christ known. They're going to be witnesses where? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. John 14, 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. How are we going to do greater works? It's because he has sent us his spirit to empower believers, to empower the church, to continue the ministry that he began here on earth. And so now it's not just Jesus Christ here on earth. He has now ascended uh, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he has given us the gift of his spirit. He has empowered believers to continue the ministry, to take the gospel to the ends the earth. This gift of the Spirit, Spirit baptism, or filled with the Spirit, or baptized in the Spirit, is, I want you to hear this, it is subsequent to, or happens after, most often, this work of conversion. When Jesus instructs, and I want you to see this, when Jesus instructs his disciples to wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, they have already received the Spirit. Therefore, they are believers. That's key. Because when he says to his disciples, he is speaking to those who already have the Spirit of God dwelling in their, they don't have just 50 or 60 or 70 percent. They have all of the Spirit dwelling in their hearts, living inside of them. And so when Jesus instructs his disciples to wait, he is speaking to believers. In John chapter 20, and we know this because in John 20 verse 22, this is, uh, and this is before the occurrence here in Acts, says, then he, speaking of Jesus, he breathed on them and said, receive 
the Holy Spirit. Many people believe it's at that moment that there was a, a true conversion experience, initial salvation for the disciples who had been following Jesus. So when he gathers with them in Acts chapter one, just before his ascension, and he says, I want you to wait here. I want you to tarry. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. He is speaking to believers who already have the Spirit of God, but he is promising something more. And that's the more that we are focusing on this morning. In Luke's second volume in the book of Acts, those that receive the baptism in the Spirit have already been converted. I want to show you a few places here in, in, in Scripture. Look at Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. I want to highlight a few things. First of all, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found, look at this, where he found several believers. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he asked them, or he asked them, and no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter two, verses one through four. This is on the day of Pentecost. It says on the day of Pentecost, listen, all of the believers, listen, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So these are, these are believers, people who have already received Christ. He's already breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit and he lives in them. But there is this second work that occurs after their salvation. And it is where they are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they are empowered to do the work that God has called them to. So from scriptural evidence, it's an experience. This baptism of the Spirit, is, it is an experience that follows our initial salvation experience. So I've probably, if I haven't confused you yet, let me try to clarify a few things. I wanted to point you to the scriptures, but now I want to just kind of unpack this here just for a couple of minutes. So what's the difference between being saved and receiving all of the spirits and receiving the gift or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here is the answer to that question. Spirit baptism, and in this, if you, if you miss everything else that I say this morning, or if I've just totally bored you, that's fine. I want you to grasp this. So, so hear this and then tune out again. That's fine, but I want you to hear this this morning. Spirit baptism is a complete yielding to the spirit that already indwells the believer. I want you to hear that again. Spirit baptism is a complete yielding to the spirit that already indwells the believer. I've put another phrase to maybe even simplify it a little bit more, and I've put it in quotes because I don't think that's really a word. But entire, here's, 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 here's what spirit baptism is. It is entire yieldedness, all right? Sounds great. Entire yieldedness to God and to his ways. Spirit baptism, hear this this morning. This is key. This is the distinction that I want you to hear this morning. Spirit baptism is not, and it'll be up here on the screen. Spirit baptism, listen, is not the believer receiving more of the spirit. You already have all of the spirit living inside of you. The moment you said yes to serving Christ, he came to indwell in your heart and life. Spirit baptism is not the believer receiving more of the spirit, but it's allowing the spirit that you already have to have more of me. Complete yielding 
to the work of the Spirit in our heart. That is what, that's what spirit baptism is referring to. It is a complete yielding to the work of the Spirit that already indwells. We all have the Spirit as believers. We have the Spirit in our heart and in our life. But this spirit baptism, which in my opinion is not a one-time experience, it should be an ongoing, a complete yielding to and constantly yielding to the work of the Spirit in our heart and life. Kenneth Lewis said this, it is not that the believer uses the power of God, but that God's power uses him. The power of the Holy Spirit is potentially resident in the saint by virtue of his indwelling presence. But it is operative in that believer when he is yielded to and dependent upon the ministry of the Spirit. And one writer said this, Mark Hambram said, it is not, I love this, it is not how much of the Holy Spirit one has, but how much of one the Holy Spirit has. How much of the Holy Spirit or how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we allow him to occupy and control every area of our lives. And the question we have to ask is how much? We, as believers, the Holy Spirit, all of him, lives inside of us. But how much of you have you yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? So the question we must ask is, have I yielded completely to the work of the Spirit already in me? Or am I still trying to control certain areas of my life? There's still things that I want to hold on to, things that I want under my power or under my control instead of yielding to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Is, is the Holy Spirit really doing a work in me and maybe he's calling me or pushing me to do something and, and I just want to control my own life? I want to map out my own life instead of listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? That's what spirit baptism is. It is a complete yielding to the work of the spirit, spirit that already lives inside of us. Finally, number three then. So as we yield, as we yield to the spirit that lives inside of us, as we are filled with the spirit, as we are baptized, and again, I would suggest and recommend and even say that it is an ongoing experience that we should have. And as we do that, believers who yield fully to the spirit in their life, they will experience the fullness and benefits of the spirit-filled life. What's very interesting is if you read, and I don't have time to go through every occurrence in the book of Acts, but if you read through Acts, every single time that an individual or a community of people, whether it was Jews or Gentiles or Samaritans, whoever it was, every single time that they are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, their speech is impacted in some incredible way. We see several examples of that in Scripture. You can see it in Acts 2. You see it in Acts 4 and in, in Acts 10. See it in Acts chapter 19. We read it every single time that they have an experience where they yield to the work of the Spirit in their life. Their speech is impacted in some divine way. Let me just give you a few examples. First of all, the Spirit-filled believer, the Spirit-filled believer, the one who yields to the work of the Spirit in their life, they have a new enthusiasm to glorify God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 11, and we all hear this is on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit comes and many of them are filled and they have that, that experience. Listen, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. There is a new enthusiasm in them to declare and to glorify God. Acts 10, verse 46, the Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed, listen, they were amazed that the gift 
of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Every single time they yield to the work of the Spirit, their speech in some form is impacted. And in these instances, as soon as they are filled, they begin to glorify, they begin to praise, they begin to declare the wonderful things that God has done. We also know that the Spirit-filled believer receives an expanded prayer life. Paul says in Romans 8, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I know that I am thankful in times maybe where I didn't even know how to pray, didn't have the words to pray. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who helps me, who helps me in my weakness and in many times probably finished many of my thoughts for me. He helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When we yield to the work of the Spirit of God that already lives inside of us, we have and we receive an expanded prayer life. Our speech is impacted. Number three, the spirit-filled believer has a new effectiveness in witnessing. When we yield to the work of the Spirit of God that is in our hearts, we have a new effectiveness in our witnessing. That's why Taylor or any other missionary or any other believer should truly and fully depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to give us boldness, to, to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ, not to rely on the flesh or to rely on our own abilities, but instead to rely upon the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, to be effective for the kingdom of God. An effective witness of the resurrected Christ will make possible the advancement of the gospel. Acts 1.8 already read it, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? To be my, the, the, the purpose of this gift, the purpose of being filled, the purpose uh, of receiving this promised gift that Jesus speaks of is so that we can be empowered and equipped to be the most effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of the kingdom. We will no longer shy away from our responsibility to declare the good news of Christ. Look in Acts 4.31, when they were filled um, with the Spirit. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look, then they preached the word of God with boldness. It affected their speech. Acts 4.33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was up on them all. If you were to go through and you were to look at Acts and look at the growth of the church and you would begin to see the spread of the gospel following the outpouring of the Spirit in these first few centuries and in every single place, people were preaching the word of God with boldness. They now had this bend toward making Christ known to a lost world. Spirit-filled believers made up a spirit-filled community that turned their world upside down. Started with 12 disciples, 120 gathered on the day of Pentecost, they were filled. Their speech was impacted. Not long after, Peter stands up and, and now he is emboldened, he is filled, he has yielded himself to the work of the Spirit and he preaches a dominant message on the day of Pentecost and they go from 120 believers to 3,000. Guess what? That's more than, than Dunkirk, all right? That, that's that's uh, uh, just a few more. And, and so we see the work of God in the hearts and lives of these individuals. Then it goes to 5,000. The church continues to grow. Folks, if we want to see our world turned upside down for Christ, then we shouldn't run from, neglect, or reject this work of the Spirit 
in our lives. Worship team, if you want to come. Um, don't tune me out just yet. I want to make a couple comments. And um, when it comes to uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, I'm certain maybe many of us in this room have heard all kinds of different teachings, different experiences. And that's why I, I want us to make certain that we know this morning that, that first of all, as a believer, I don't want any of us to walk out of here uncertain or confused, but as believers, we have and we have received all of the Spirit. But there is, there is a second work that occurs. And again, from my perspective, it's not just a, a one-time occurrence, but it should be an ongoing occurrence. And that is the yielding now. The Spirit has come. He has come to take up residence in our hearts and in our lives. But are we allowing? Are we submitting? Are we yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God that lives inside of us? Uh, I didn't have time to... Uh, um, do this this illustration but um, there was an illustration that that actually kind of helped us picture uh, this concept and it was just taking two glasses of water and a couple Alka-Seltzer pills um, not for heartburn purposes just for an illustration purpose to keep one wrapped up and to unwrap the other you place them both in the water the one that still has the wrapper around it nothing's going to happen the other one that's been unwrapped, placed in the water, it's going to fizzle, bubble over. It's going to be a reaction that occurs. Truth of the matter with that illustration is just simply all of us, both in both cases, both glasses of water, if you refer to the Alka-Seltzer pills as the Holy Spirit here, both glasses of water had the Holy Spirit. But one of them submitted, one of them yielded to the work of the Spirit and because of that, overflowed. God began to do something incredible. Folks, as believers today, as followers of Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And because of that now, He is waiting for us to yield, to submit to that work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to, just a couple of things I want you to hear. We're almost done. Because I know that maybe because of different backgrounds, different understandings, there may be different concepts when you hear baptism in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. I know different things come to mind, but first of all, I want you to hear a couple things. Number one, being Spirit-filled is not about being weird, wacky, or out of control. Nowhere do we see that in Scripture. It's not about showing off our spirituality. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about submitting to the Lord. Being Spirit-filled is not about outdoing another person spiritually you read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is not a model for the church. Paul is, Paul is correcting the Corinthian church because many of them had this mentality that as spirit-filled believers, we are, we are better, we're more spiritual. Let's try to outdo the other person. That's why he said, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, you're only a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. It's not about outdoing another person spiritually. Being spirit-filled is not about pursuing or even speaking some type of evidence or experience. Instead, we should yield ourselves to the Spirit, desire, seek after, pray for, and wait. Just as Jesus told his disciples to tarry and wait in Jerusalem until 
I pour out my spirit upon you. We should do the same. Why? Because it will enable us to make Christ known to a lost world. It will enable Taylor and every other missionary to be empowered and equipped to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to see lives changed, hearts transformed, communities restored because we are empowered and equipped as we yield to the work of the Spirit in us. It will transform our world. Jesus relied on the power of the Spirit, so should we. Folks, there's no secret formula, there's no secret recipe when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's not something specific that has to happen Instead, it is just yielding yourself. The Spirit of God already lives in you. If you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, you made Him the Lord of your life. You believe God raised Him from the dead. You're saved. And because of that, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. There's no other secret formula to this spirit baptism. Instead, it's you coming to a place where you say, I'm yielding, I'm submitting to the Spirit of God that is already in me. It's not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have. How much of the Holy Spirit, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? A life that is fully yielded to God, His mission, and the work of the Spirit that already indwells the believer is a life that will seek to make Christ known throughout the world at all costs. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?